Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll be glad to put one in your hand. If you say, hey, I'm good, I think I know this passage, then follow along in your mind, starting with verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields. Fun place to live, huh? You think your house needs work. <laughs> Keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So you don't normally see babies in a manger is what the angels were saying. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to who? God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass with the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Jesus, we ask now that your spirit, your Holy Spirit, that brought the Immaculate Conception, Lord, your same Holy Spirit would now prepare our hearts, our minds. Lord, remove all distractions. May you just quiet anything, Lord, that would keep us from hearing the power and presence of your voice. May your peace be poured out as we are drawn into your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, millions and millions of people love the Christmas and holiday season. I know there are a few Scrooges here and there who don't like Christmas and all that comes with it. But with most people in this country and many around the world, most people participate in the celebration in some form or another. The celebrations, the traditions, the merchandising, the promoting of Christmas season, it continues to grow in our lifetime, doesn't it? It just seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The 12 days of Christmas have turned into the 12 weeks of Christmas. For many businesses and industry, it's a continuous 12-month preparation. You watch the big companies like Disney or Macy's, they'll tell you about they're working on it year-round, 24-7, all the time. Even some large churches begin practicing in midsummer for Christmas programs and various outreaches. It's not uncommon anymore to see Christmas decorations popping up well before Thanksgiving. You've seen that. Whether we like it or not, there's no denying that the stores, the online retail giants, we know their names, right? The companies making products, the networks that are making movies. Hallmark's made a living out of this, right? You know, uh, The record labels producing the Christmas albums and a host of other Christmas-connected Marketing efforts, they all saturate the Christmas season. There's also no denying that this season also makes us all busier than we intended to be. That we eat more than we intended to eat. Pray for one another. That we, 
that people will spend more money than they intended to spend. That many will overextend themselves time-wise, energy-wise, financially. A USA Today and Harris Poll showed that it, it found when they talked to adults, 70% of American adults in this poll said if they were truly honest, they would rather give up all the present giving. 70% said they'd rather give up all the present giving and instead invest it in things more meaningful for their family. Isn't that interesting? It's an admission that a lot of it's not meaningful, at least what's bought. Thank you for another pack of lifesavers, right? <laughs> all these things. Yet in spite of the flaws of the Christmas season, the commercialization, the hectic pace, understand that the vast majority of people are attempting to be joyful and enjoy the season. They're attempting. They're really giving it a good shot. They want to be joyful. They want to enjoy this season. And all people are trying to find some form of peace and happiness. Everyone, in their own way and whatever it is that they subscribe to. But this underscores the very reason Jesus came in the first place, doesn't it? We cannot, as human beings, create or provide what we actually need. Let me say that again. We can't create or provide what we actually need. Can you create oxygen? But you need it. Can you create water? No, but you need it. Matter of fact, we need living water, according to Jesus. You see, what people are looking for in a holiday can only be found in the Holy One sent by God. In fact, holiday, the word holiday, originates from the word holy day. That's where we get the word. The holiness of God, the salvation of God, the forgiveness of God is what our souls need, but our flesh looks for imitations, substitutes, cheap imitations of peace and joy that can only be found in God's gift to mankind, which we looked at in the Friday night program this is why the angels proclaimed peace on earth. What? Goodwill toward men. Coming from very, the very throne of God. It wasn't there. Peace was not there. The absence of peace was what was there. Peace was not on the earth, and it never would be unless God provided it. God was revealing the plan of peace and his name was Jesus. On Friday night, as I mentioned, the kids did this presentation. Great job. Uh, the greatest gift. And I followed it up with a brief message, which we actually finished early that night. I've said it three times. I was very, very, very touched by that moment. But anyway, uh, I did a brief message at the end called the time-sensitive gift. See, we have one lifetime to open the gift of God's salvation. One lifetime. And the, the problem is we don't know how long that lifetime is. Every week I hear of someone that I didn't expect to pass away. And so do you. And I talked about the fact that the gift of God is sent down from heaven, and it's his own son. But he has to be accepted. He has to be believed and received by each person personally. No one can do it for another person. Parents can't do it for their own kids. 
But if and when that takes place, if a person does receive this gift, the gift is eternal. Amen? Isn't that great? It's eternal. I wish my running shoes were eternal. I, save my, I wish haircuts were eternal. All kinds of things. I don't know where that came from, but it's a good thought. And this eternal gift, it produces rejoicing and it produces joy. Put something up here, a verse that we looked at. And it emphasizes what we want to examine. What took place here with these shepherds? The, they heard words of truth. They heard words of hope. They accepted them as truth. What they heard from the angel, they accepted. They believed and received the word that came to them from God. They personally acted upon it, what they had been told. They were fully convinced. Let me ask you this more. Are you fully convinced of the message of Jesus? Are you fully convinced? The shepherds were fully convinced. You know, when you live in a field and you find out you could have heaven as your home, it sounds a lot better. Yes. One of the problems with Americans is they can't envision anything better than what we have here. They're trying to make earth heaven. The shepherds were not under any illusions. They understood, wow, there's got to be something better than living in a field. And if this one sent from heaven can take us there, let's go find him. Then they appropriated the good news. See, their faith was established. That's what God wants to do with us. He wants to establish our faith. And they immediately went and did what? They went and worshiped. And they rejoiced. But not only that, they could not, and this is really key, they could not keep the glorious news to themselves because they were transformed by the presence of Jesus. Do you know why a lot of people don't share the gospel? They've never been transformed. They don't have any problem keeping it to themselves because they've not truly fallen at the feet of God, so they have nothing to give away. They're still wondering, why, why do some people really get excited about this? But the shepherd's story, it becomes our story if we believe and receive as they did. See, we're all, we all have the same capacity to follow in the same way that they did. And if that's not a reason to rejoice when we see what God did for them, I don't know what it is. We may not have the revelation of angels. I admit, I've never seen an angel. I've never seen a heavenly host in the sky. We've not had those things. But guess what? We have this. The full revelation of Jesus Christ. The full written revelation. Do you know people have died in nations to get one page of this? We have the entire thing. We know the story from beginning to end. Now, from time to time, you also might meet a Christian. I know some people don't like the Christmas season. I mentioned some Scrooges. You also may, from time to time, meet a Christian that's also rather opposed to the Christmas season. You ever met someone like this? If you're here, I'm not trying to step on your toes. We actually like Christmas here, but let me explain why. But every now and then you'll meet a Christian who's kind of opposed to the whole Christmas season, and they might cite the following. Well, there's pagan influences, and I've studied all that, and I can tell you that some of them are misnomers, some of them are fat. They might mention all the commercialization, which we would fully agree. Yes, it's quite commercialized. 
Some might even say, and rightly so, that nowhere in the scriptures are we commanded to celebrate Christ's birth. And that's true. You will not find a verse that says, the apostles never wrote it. And other writers in the New Testament said, hey, by the way, church, make sure you celebrate his birth. Celebrate his death and resurrection, yes. Amen. That's true. But on the other hand, his birth has significant coverage in Matthew and Luke. Quite a bit of verses are dedicated to his birth. Significant prophecies in the Old Testament are all related to what? His birth. The virgin birth is, of course, essential to his sinless nature of God being the father, not Joseph. Joseph would be the stand-in father, but God is the father of Jesus. So all these things are important. Paul himself reflects on the birth of Christ and explaining the miracle of God's grace. He says in Galatians 4.4, But when the fullness of God had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So Paul used the birth of Christ to explain law versus grace. And here's the thing. We're not commanded to celebrate the birth of Christ, but we're not forbidden to do so either. There's not a single verse forbidding it. So it's not commanded and it's not forbidden. We see Jesus in John chapter 10, verses 22 and 23. We see Jesus observing the Jew, within the Jewish community the holiday known as Hanukkah. Jesus observed Hanukkah. But yet there was no scriptural mandate in the Old Testament under the law that anyone had to observe Hanukkah. It's not found anywhere. And yet Jesus was observing it. It was a tradition of men, and he observed it because I believe there was really good reasons to, if you understand the menorah and all the, all the things that took place. But the clincher for me is this. Here's the thought that, uh, that really convinces me why celebrating Christmas is a good thing, not a commanded thing, but a good thing. If the angels rejoiced and threw a party in the sky, if the shepherds rejoiced in worship, if Mary rejoiced, if the Magi traveled hundreds of miles to rejoice at his birth, and knowing that it was coming, why can't we? So we do. And this morning, in every Christmas season, I believe the value to us in relooking at the birth of Christ, this irritable clicker. Oh, there we go. The value for us in relooking at the birth of Christ is to reflect on what was revealed. To reflect on it. That's what we do this season. We reflect. We think back. Say, I know these stories, but you know the, the Word of God never returns void. It's a lot deeper. You say, well, I've already reflected on that verse uh, a few times in my life. You know you can actually get new revelation from the same thing. So we, the value to us is to reflect on these things and looking back at His glorious birth and then to go and reflect it in our lives. That's why I mean, what I mean by reflect and reflect. Reflect on it, but then go reflect as the moon reflects the light of the sun to reflect those things in our life. In that respect, I want to leave us with three reflections we see in the shepherds that need to be reflected in our lives. So we can look at people just like us, and I did a, a two Wednesdays in a row, I did a Christmas character series, and we looked at the shepherds, but I want to just look at just them this morning, things that were reflected in them that I believe, without question, God wants to reflect in us. And my, here's my simple question. Are we doing, are we desiring to do these three things? Are we ready? 
Are we receiving and are we responding? Because the shepherds did all of those things. They were ready when God came. They were receiving and then they responded to it. What do I mean by ready? Their hearts were ready to receive truth. One of the things that you and I should do every time we come together, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, ladies' Bible study, men's Bible study, is pray, Lord, prepare my heart. Make me ready. Everyone needs that. You know, Jesus rose way early in the morning and prayed to ready himself for the day. Well, if he needs that, you know we need it, right? But the shepherds were in this place that their hearts were already ready. The common thread among Joseph, Mary, shepherds, the wise men, Simeon, Anna, the common thread among each of them appears to be this one trait, as I study it, humble. They were all humble people. Did you know the Bible said, says that God gives grace to the humble? He gives grace, he gives revelation, he gives peace, he gives love to the humble hearts. God revealed his greatest gift first to humble hearts. Not perfect hearts, not perfect people. There's no such thing. But humble hearts. You know, God knows that a, he can look across this room and he will not find a single perfect person. But he actually can identify at the deepest part of our spirit who's walking in humility and who's not. It says he resists a proud look, much less a proud heart. You ever see someone with a haughty look? God sees it too. And he sees the depth of that look. But these men, they had humble hearts, and because of that, they were in a ready position to hear from God. If you and I want to hear from the Lord more in 2018, we need our hearts to be humbled before him. Moses had to come to God at the mercy seat. Mercy means you don't deserve the goodness of God, and therefore that humbles you. That says, whoa, I was a little bit on my high horse, believing on this or believing on that or believing I have this capability. They were humble. They didn't think of themselves as great. They lived in fields. They weren't riding around in a Lexus and saying, look how established we are. <laughs> look at what we've all accomplished. Did you know that our kids graduated from Princeton? Did you know that we make more money than you? Did you know that we have influence, we have power, we have prestige? All they knew is they needed God. And that made their hearts ready. Whatever we need from the Lord, grace, revelation, peace, joy, it starts with humbling ourselves and readying our hearts. The second thing is they were receiving. What do I mean by that? Many people will say that they want to hear from God. You'll hear a lot of people say, man, I really, I really need to hear from God. I really want to hear from God. What they should do, how they should live. But when they hear the word of God, even when their hearts are convicted, deeply convicted even, they walk away and still refuse to receive it. They might have just said, I want to hear from God. And God says, all right, here's my commands. Well, I don't want to do that. The rich young ruler was this way. Lord, must what, I, what should I do to be saved? Jesus said, ah, oh, here's what you need to do. Well, other than that, right? Other than that. We've had countless people. I know we had Friday night, I'm sure of it. We had a lot of visitors. We've had countless people walk through these doors, that door, that door, 
that they got in that one. I don't know how. But anyway, we've had countless people walk through these doors since October 2015 when we moved to this property that I know for certain have heard the truth, that have heard the word of God, but so far have not received it. Said, you know what? That's a nice little... I've had people come to me, that was a good speech. I'm not in politics, so uh, that was not a speech. I'm not running for office. I'm running to win the race to get to heaven, but I'm not running for office. If you heard something that pricked your heart, it's from the Lord, not from me. In verse 15, though, look what the shepherds, it says in verse 15, let us now what? Go. Let us now go. Let us go and see this thing which has come to pass. They were convinced of it. They weren't like, well, I wonder if this is true. I wonder if it really did happen. You know, Angels, maybe, maybe they were just figments of our imagination. Let us go see. No, they were convinced of the truth. And that was what faith is. Faith is when you are convinced of something. You're convinced that it makes more sense to give your life to God than to give your life to yourself. Say, well, I'm just trying to do what I want to do. I'm sitting on the throne of my own heart. That's, that's the, the kind of attitude of our society today, our culture, is that each person does that which is right in their own eyes. It's the same way it was when Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And lastly, responding. What do we mean by that, responding? Well, their hearts were ready, as we looked at. They received truth with gladness. And then their lives were forever transformed by seeing Jesus face to face. Even as a baby, it transformed them because Jesus wasn't teaching from the manger. His presence was there in what? Not just bodily form, but because his name means Emmanuel, God with us. When they got there, they were in the presence of the holiness of God. And by the way, God doesn't have to say a word for his presence to be felt. That's why the scriptures say, be still and know that I am God doesn't it? Just getting there, just getting there and believing what the angels said, they believed it, received it, they went there to worship and being face-to-face with the Lord forever transformed their life. After that night, they reflected the same rejoicing that they had heard from the angels. See, the angels were rejoicing. They went and rejoiced the same way at that stable. They had personally opened the gift. They had personally opened the gift of God. It was given to them, and they opened it. And the response was as natural, but far more meaningful. Their response was just as natural, but far more meaningful as someone who might say this during this December season. Here's a natural response. Right now, this is relative to our time. You might hear someone say this in the next week, or you might have you've got to go see the new Star Wars. Wow, that is life-changing. I'm not dissing it. I like Star Wars. I've watched all of them like a gazillion times. But I've never changed a life by saying to someone, you've got to go see the new one. It might even be better than one of the other ones. It's so good, I might see it a second time, maybe even a third time. I wait for everything to come out on video. I don't like spending the money. But regardless of that, People bear witness of what they think is valuable, of what they think, oh, you got to know this. you got to go see it. If someone can say, you got to go see the Star Wars, but can't say, you've got to meet Jesus, 
you, when you meet God face to face, you're going to have a discussion. And God will say, how is it that you can recommend people to go see a movie, but you never recommended my son? You never went and told anyone. The shepherds couldn't keep this to themselves. I don't know what else they were impressed by in that time, but they, this they had to tell other people. They said, well, it's my own personal religion. I just keep it to myself. No. They said, you, they said to one another, we've got to go. We've got to go tell people. Their response was to re-gift the gift. This is a re-gifting you not only can do, but should do. And this re-gifting, by the way, has unlimited recipients. You can re-gift this to as many people. God wants you to re-gift it and keep re-gifting it to go anywhere and everywhere. And these shepherds did this, and we need to follow them. They would go and say, you've got to see Jesus. We've met the man who forgives people of their sins. We've met him. Well, he was a baby. I know, but the presence of God came over us, and we just gave our lives right that moment to the Lord. Is this our response? Is this our response? Will we rejoice and reflect? Will we reflect on and then go reflect the gospel in our lives? Will we rejoice in the Lord and reflect his gospel wherever we go? Are we rejoicing now? And so great a salvation. Boy, the more you focus on salvation, the more it reminds you how great it really is. Because you think, like, if you saved a lifetime, Jesus said, what will a man do in exchange, give in exchange for his soul? When you think about, you could rally every market, every piece of gold, every Bitcoin, every cryptocurrency, every dollar, every cent, pull it all together. I don't know how many trillions we're talking about, and you could present it to God for one soul, and God would say, can't buy it. Can you imagine this? Every single dollar on planet Earth, Warren Buffett's money, Bill Gates' money, all of it, all the American, Fort Knox, pull it all together and then try and present it to God and say, I'd like to buy one soul, please. And God would say, you don't have near enough. Isn't that amazing? This, when you reflect on so great a salvation, it changes. God said, I want you to get your heads a little bit more up in the clouds instead of down here. There's no such thing as being too heavenly minded, being earthly good. You get heavenly minded, you'll be way more earthly good. That's a fact. And the shepherds reflected that. They, became, they met the one who came down from heaven, and then they started to reflect and say to others, you must meet our Savior. You must meet the Savior, the Messiah. Jesus, he was the plan of God for salvation. Jesus was the plan. The shepherds had found it. Their lives rejoiced, and they couldn't contain it. Oh, that God would raise up Christians who burst forth with living water. But sadly, many Christians are no more excited about the gospel than the unsaved world. Their impact was so great. Look at verse 17. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known. From their little shepherd's field in Bethlehem, this is like when you throw a rock in the lake 
and the rings keep going out, right? Their impact was far beyond. They didn't have any power or position, but they had a powerful message. They had a powerful transformation. They made widely known the gift. I wonder how many people, how many lives were transformed by their witness by the second Christmas, one year later. One year later. I wonder how many people had been transformed one year later by the second. I know they didn't call it Christmas then. I get that. But one year after the birth of Christ, because these shepherds kept sharing the plan of God with people. And how about here? I was thinking recently, who will be saved and born again in 2018 that right now is not? Did you know that in this country and around the world, a bunch of people this time next year will be saved that currently are not? Could be someone you're praying for. Well, say, I don't hardly ever pray for them. Well, it's time to step it up. Someone sitting in this room could be next year saved that currently it's outside of the family of God, that God says it's time to come in. But we are, we're called, like the shepherds, to be that voice. Who will be the ones to receive the gift of God in this coming year? Many of you, you know this face. You might not have thought Javon was going to make it into today, but I, I, I'll explain why in one second here. Many of you know this guy. He's in New Zealand right now. In Southern, I got to FaceTime with him the other night. We, we chatted. It was so cool. My phone rings. I see that smiling face <laughs> pop up on my phone. And I stopped everything else I was doing. Because he was in town and he could only get a Wi-Fi connection. But did you know this time last year he didn't believe in Jesus? This time last year he did not believe in Jesus. This time. Was he 20 now? I, I, I think he's 20. Something like that. He didn't believe in Jesus this time last year, but God can do a lot in a year, and God can do a whole lot in a day. He can do a whole lot in a minute. He's only been saved nine months. Nine months. Same amount of time that most women carry a child. Nine months. Kind of cool there. What God births. We're talking about the birth of Christ. God loves new births, by the way. All these ladies are having babies here. He loves that. But he also loves new births of new believers. Did you know that heaven will not rejoice about any of the gifts you give? But if anyone gets saved this Christmas Eve, a party breaks out in heaven over one soul. One. That's what heaven will just, it lights it up. It's like, I don't know what it looks like, but I know it's a big celebration. One soul. And my question as I, we were having a burger and, Erica, Javon's mom, was there, and I said, you know, it just dawned on me. Your son wasn't saved this time last year in the Christmas season. I said, that blows me away that we went into the last Christmas season. He didn't believe in Jesus. Now he's been on two mission trips and tells everybody about that. I'm like, who's going to be next? And then I started naming people that I've been praying for, that some of you have been praying for. I said, what if it's this person? What if it's this person? What if it's all of them? That's what revival looks like. The world is confused, and it's searching but we have the hope. We have the peace. We have the salvation that every soul needs. I want to finish 
with a poem I wrote yesterday. I woke up, I hadn't done a poem in months. I never thought I'd be the poetry writing pastor. I never did. Um, it was never my goal in life. Um, perhaps when David was tending sheep, he didn't think he'd write songs, but it did happen. Uh, so I woke up yesterday morning, and this, it just started to be on my mind. So I got up, and I started writing, and I, and I wrote it out. It wasn't part of my Riz notes. So I thought, this will be. But I want to close with it, because I believe that it, uh, it just kind of speaks to what we have in this season, but the shift of focus that God wants us to have. And I've titled it, God Has a Plan. And this is, uh, this is what I put down on paper. "'Twas the day before Christmas and all through the land. Revival is needed and God has a plan. People are hurried, stuff to do, lots of shopping, gatherings to plan for, the pace rarely stopping. The excitement of Christmas, part stress and part joy. In the mind of a child, all they want is a toy. Families in town, it happens each year. Let's get back together and share Christmas cheer. The movies are playing. We know them by heart. Right after Thanksgiving, the marathon starts. The baking, the parties, the tacky light tour. You think that you're done, but there's still something more. Some downtime is needed. A few, a few days would be great, but your job is still calling, so you'll have to work late. Finish the project still rings in your ear, yet you know with the new year, it'll all still be here. Even at church, the schedule is tight. The volunteers working, let's get everything right. The Christmas season, it all happens so fast. We wish that the best parts would perpetually last. Still, we focus on everything left to be done. The list ever growing now feels like a ton. We're happy and anxious and expectant as well. How it all blends together, we still cannot tell. You see, not much has changed in 2,000 years. People still wanting peace instead of their fears. The fun and the festive, it offers a taste. But the fact is, it goes by in unwanted haste. People with credit cards in line as they stand, when what's really needed has come from God's hand. For Jesus came down at the Father's behest to bring us salvation and genuine rest. He came to bring healing, to break every chain, a plan of renewal, his love for our pain. As it was at the stable, very few saw or cared that God's very own son had been willingly shared. But those who saw on that marvelous night were, for, were changed evermore by his glorious light. Their hearts that were heavy then had reason to shout. They saw for themselves what God was about. It's all about Jesus and the life that he brings that causes new hearts to burst forth and sing. So here in this season, and deep in our minds, the peace that we're seeking in Jesus will find. Let's follow him now. Let's submit to his plan and rejoice and take Jesus to all that we can. That's it. And this is the plan of God. He wants, he wants us to observe what really... Jesus was the master. He observed everything. He'd say, look at the birds over here. Look at this. He goes, you guys are all fixated on the wrong stuff. Put your minds back on the Lord. But if you don't know the Lord, 
come to him for the first time. That's the plan of God. He has a plan, and his name is Jesus.